In the second reading, we hear Paul's encouragement to be faithful as a servant. The second reading is from 2 Timothy, the first chapter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan it into flame, the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is the word of the Lord. It is a serious thing when you call someone a coward. It's a serious thing to do that. It's when you call someone a coward, it's an, an attack on their personhood. It's an attack on that person's ego. It's an attack on their self-image. When you call someone a coward, you call them a wimp and a wuss and a weakling. It's a serious thing to call someone a coward. And it hurts to be called a coward. And it's not a Christian thing to do, to call someone a coward. Can I have my slide? Okay. Now, St. Paul did not call Timothy a coward, but he came close. Now, this is uh, from the reading of today, and let's remember that this is a letter it came in the mail. The postman left it in the box. And this is a letter that came from Paul to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Next. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God whom I serve. This is a letter. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Next. I remember your tears. 
I long to see you that I may fill with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure dwells in you as well. This is the letter that Timothy got from Paul. Next. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, when you fan up a flame, that means the flame has gone down. It's gotten weak. It's almost out. And Paul's encouragement to Timothy is this, fan the flame. For God did not give us a spirit. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. And here's a place where where the, the prejudice of Bible translators gets in the way of the translation. Because the word fear is the wrong word. The Greek word in the the Bible here is cowardice. And St. Paul wrote to Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. But many Bible translators believe that the word cowardice, calling Timothy a coward, is too strong. And so they change the translation. This translator has gone from cowardice to fear. Other Bible translators go from cowardice to timidity. God did not give us a spirit of timidity. But the fact of the matter is, St. Paul said to Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of, of cowardice, but of power. And the real meaning is, the real meaning is, Timothy, you are acting like a coward. And this message is all the more amazing because of the close relationship there was between Paul and Timothy. In the year 47, that was about 14 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul began his first missionary journey up into central Turkey. Uh, And he did that because he was in the news business. Remember, the church is in the news business, right? We've got news news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he went up into central Turkey to bring this news. And he came to the city of Lystra in central Turkey. And there he stayed for several weeks and the church was started in Lystra. And Paul had two wonderful, two two memories of Lystra, besides the founding of the church. The first was this, that Paul and Barnabas, his, his companion, they were mistaken for Greek gods. The people of Lystra thought that Barnabas was Zeus himself, thought he was Zeus incarnate. And they thought that St. Paul was Hermes, the son of Zeus and the messenger of Zeus. And, And the people of Lystra wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas and bring animals and sacrifice to them. And they, had, they worked very hard to say, no, we're just men, you can't sacrifice us to, to, to us. The second memory was this. Paul was stoned and left for dead. Enemies came and they took him and they stoned him and they thought they had killed him. Two years later, Paul returned to Lystra. This time he came with his friend uh, Silas 
and they came to Lystra, and they, they met the church, and they met these ladies. The lady's name was, was Lois. We heard that here. As, and one lady was Eunice. That was her, her daughter. And Eunice had a son. And the son's name was Timothy. And um, Paul met Timothy and liked him and asked, asked his mom if Timothy could join them on this missionary journey eastward through Turkey and then into Greece. And um, Eunice said yes. Now, how would you let ladies like to do that? I don't know how old Timothy was. He was probably a young man. Going to let him go and travel the world? Eunice said yes. And they established this wonderful working relationship with Paul and Timothy. He, he, Paul loved Timothy. Timothy is mentioned in the book of Acts. He's mentioned in Romans, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He's mentioned in Colossians. He's mentioned in 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. There's a long history between them. But Timothy, Timothy had a problem. Timothy was, was shy. Timothy was kind of, kind of backward. And he had a hard time communicating with people. It was really hard for him, and, and there was danger that he could be taken advantage of. So there was a time when, when St. Paul was thinking about sending Timothy to the church in Corinth, the new church in Corinth, uh, as his, his representative. And he wrote this to the Corinthians. If Timothy comes, to, if Timothy comes see that he has nothing to fear among you. For he is doing the Lord, doing the work of the Lord just as I am. Let no one despise him. Send him on his way so that he may come to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Paul was afraid that poor, shy Timothy would be taken advantage of by the church. Doesn't say much about the church, does it? If Paul's representative, if Paul is afraid that his representative is going to be going to be abused. He also wrote, um, in the first letter, he wrote this. Let no one despise your youth. Let no one despise your youth. By this time, Timothy was serving as the pastor in Ephesus. Let no one despise your youth. That happens in churches. When churches get a young pastor... It happens that people say, well, he's young, he doesn't know anything. And they despise his youth. People were, Paul was afraid that Timothy would let people walk all over him because he was a young man. And then he also wrote this in the first letter. No longer drink only water, but take a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. That sounds like a stress-induced ulcer to me. See, Timothy had a hard time, and yet Paul loved him. And between the first letter of Timothy and the second letter of Timothy, something had happened, and Paul had to write a letter of encouragement. He had to give him a pep talk, and this is the pep talk. God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but God gave us a spirit of power. And Timothy, you have to start living 
and serving a life of power. Now, what was the problem? The next slide. Here is the problem. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Here's a pastor who was afraid, who was ashamed, who was timid about witnessing to Jesus Christ. How can that be? Do not be ashamed of the testimony. And do not be ashamed of me, Paul. Just, just because I'm a jailbird, just because I'm in jail, don't be ashamed of me either. Don't do that. Now, I prefer a different translation here. I prefer, do not be embarrassed. You know, it's embarrassment that makes us curl up. It's embarrassment that makes us do nothing at all. And Paul's message for Timothy was, don't be embarrassed about Jesus Christ. Don't be embarrassed about doing your job. Don't be embarrassed about lifting up the cross. Don't be embarrassed just because your good friend is in the slammer. Because God did not give us a spirit of cowardice. God gave us a spirit of power. I think one way you can describe Timothy is that Timothy was jello. You know jello, right? That multicolored stuff that, that wiggles and jiggles. You know, Santa's little, little round belly could just as well have shaken like a bowl full of jello as a bowl full of jelly. We can describe Timothy as, 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 as he was jello. And I have this theory that we are all jello. Some way or other, inside, we are all jello. I tell, I'm jello. I just am. Some people can hide their jello ness. Is that a word? It is now, thank you. Some people can hide their jello-ness better than others. But I do believe deep down inside, every one of us is jello. Even bullies are jello because you know what happens when you confront a bully, don't you? Well, he gets jello. Bullies usually run away when you confront them because even bullies are jello. And Timothy was, was jello. And Paul wrote to him, don't be ashamed of the testimony. Don't be ashamed of me because you've received power. The Holy Spirit has brought you power. But it was that jello-ness that, presented, that prevented Timothy from witnessing to Jesus Christ. And I think that for most of us, it's that same jello-ness that prevents us from witnessing to Jesus Christ. If you think about yourself and your life, how often do you witness to Jesus Christ and why do you not? I was in a Bible study once, a men's Bible study, with a, a guy who has been Lutheran his whole life and we were talking about this and he said to me, nobody ever told me that I should witness to Jesus Christ. 
His whole life in the Lutheran Church, I never ever told him, you've got to do that. That's part of your responsibility as a Christian, to witness for Jesus Christ. I didn't know that. Most of us have a hard time witnessing to Jesus Christ because we're fundamentally jello. And that's what this sermon is about. I want to say two things. The first is this, that you and I have received the spirit of power. God's power has come to you and to me. We just don't use it. You know, baptism, we receive the Spirit of God within us. We receive the Spirit of God every day. And the Spirit of God can, can, turn, can turn cowardice into courage. But the power is there. The second thing about witnessing is this, that we can learn to do it by learning to, what it means to be assertive. Assertive, not aggressive. Assertive. Assertiveness is simply doing what it's okay to do. Assertiveness is doing your perfect right. There was a book about a Christian assertiveness called Your Perfect Right. We have a right to witness to Jesus Christ. We have a right to say, I'm a Christian. We have a right to invite people to church. We do. But we don't do it because we're not assertive. And I learned about assertiveness uh, in Stephen ministry. So I'll tell you this story. It's not about, about my faith, but it's about how assertiveness works. In 1992, I was attending a Stephen Leaders training in Baltimore, and that weekend I was going to travel from, from Baltimore to New York on the train. And um, the, the, the platform was full. There were lots of people there. We got on the train. We were all looking for seats. And as I came in the door and turned around, there was a lady there. And she, had, she was sitting there, and her packages were sitting here. And people came in the car, and they saw a lady in her packages, and they walked right by. And I came in, and I looked at those packages, and I said to myself, she didn't buy a ticket for those packages, did she? I bought a ticket for that seat, and that's my seat. So I, I very nicely went to the lady and said, Ma'am, I'd like to sit there. She picked up the packages and moved them, and I sat down. I was not aggressive, but that was my seat. And I had a right to it. And all I had to do was speak up. I didn't offend her, I didn't yell at her, but I ex expressed my perfect right. That's my right to do that. That's assertiveness. Assertiveness is simply doing what it's okay to do. We, it's okay for us to witness to Jesus Christ as Lord. But it's a jello inside that, that stops us from doing that. One time I was playing, playing golf with a guy, and uh, he missed a putt, and he said, Jesus Christ... Now, the men here know that that happens, right? Maybe the ladies know it too. I don't know what ladies, I don't know how ladies talk. But he said, Jesus Christ. Now, in the past, 
I'd let that slide. I wouldn't say anything about that. I'd hate myself for letting it slide. But I'd let it slide because I thought, well, I don't want to mess up his golf game. But if I confront him, he's not going to play well. So I'm not going to say anything. But at the same time, he messed up my golf game by saying that. So I said to him, I wish you wouldn't say that. I'm a Christian. And I love Jesus Christ. He said, oh. And that was that. My perfect right. The jello was his. We have a right to do that, fellas. We have a right to stand up for Jesus Christ. We sing, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Well, we've got to do that. We have a perfect right to do it. We have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to do it. Because God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power. <clears throat> now, let a, let a proud father tell you again a story I've told you before about our son Michael. Michael is a foreign service officer with the United States State Department. And Michael works, he works in a part of the State Department <clears throat> that does visas and passports. And Mike's first assignment was in Romania. <clears throat> he was in Romania um, interviewing people who wanted to get visas to go to America. And he was interviewing a guy who wanted to get his wife or somebody into America. And he came to Mike and Mike said, I can't do this because the paperwork isn't right. And the man got mad and he said, Jesus Christ. And Mike said, you may not take the name of my Savior in vain that way. And the guy shut up. And later on, Mike thought, well, there goes my career. I just got in the State, in, in the state Department. Now I'm out because I did that. Several weeks later, Mike's boss got a letter from the same guy. And the guy thanked the boss for the fine service that Mike gave him. He expressed his perfect right to object to the fact that someone took his Savior's name in vain. And we have the perfect right to do that. We have a right to witness to Jesus Christ. We have a right to invite people to church. We have a, we have a right to call people when they use the Savior's name in vain. They have a right to do it. We have the right to object. Because we shouldn't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Because we did not receive a spirit of cowardice. We received the spirit of power. We sing, stand up, stand up for Jesus. We need to do that. Because that's how we let our lights shine. Amen.